text of this sermon is found in 1 John, the epistle of John. It's over near the end of the New Testament. In fact, it's the next door neighbor to Revelation. Oh, you'll find it there in that neighborhood. 1 John chapter 5, beginning at verse 4. 1 John chapter 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. I guess we've all been given names that we've carried through life, nicknames. Sometimes they last, sometimes they're just for a little bit, a little while. When I was a little child, I was cotton, a raghead. That's a sweet and wonderful name somebody gave me, raghead. As a matter of fact, my mother uh, tells to her embarrassment that when I was just a little boy, the census taker came. And mother's real shy and easily intimidated. And so she was kind of nervous anyway. And this, this census taker was going down the list of names and birthdays of all my brothers and sister and got to me and she forgot my name. Now that'll bless you. Your own mother forgets your name. And she said all she could think of was raghead and cotton. When I was in uh, middle school, I was tittle. When I was in high school, I was Chauncey. It's none of your business how I got that name either. I, I promise you, uh, you don't need to know how I came onto that one. And you remember how we used when the CB craze was going around, you know, and everybody had a handle. My handle was High Noon, good buddy. So named because they, uh, one of my members gave me that so I, he could be reminded that at noon, at least by 12, I'd be through. You know, High Noon, good buddy. We've all been given names. I've been called some names that I'll not share with you here from this pulpit. The people of God have been given names. They were called Christians first. It happened at Antioch because they were Christ ones. The Apostle Paul called them saints, the set-apart ones. The most common name for the follower of Jesus was the name disciple. It means learner. And they were called beloved and believers and all of these names describe some characteristic of these people of the way. John gave them another name. He called them overcomers. He said that the people of God are overcomers. They have overcome the world. He calls them overcomers. And that characteristic is confirmed throughout the New Testament. The Revelation says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And Paul said, Yea, in all these things we are more than conquerors. We are more than overcomers. And he said we need to give thanks to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are overcomers. What does it mean? How do you become an overcomer? How is your life characterized by continual victory? That's a big question. And it haunts some of us whose lives are marked by 
constant and reoccurring defeat. How is it that one knows the life, enjoys the life of continuous victory? Well, John gives us the answer in our text. An overcomer is one, is a man, is a person who concedes the problem. The very words suggest that we have something to overcome. It suggests that there is in every path some obstacle, some problem to overcome. An overcomer is not somebody who just breezes through life without any hardship or difficulty. An overcomer is a person who concedes that every day brings a new problem and a new barrier and a new obstacle to overcome. He recognizes that every day there's probably going to be a new opponent who who criticizes him. He concedes the problem. He has a problem, an obstacle, and he proceeds to do something about it. I want you to get this. I want you to write this on the walls of your mind so that you'll never forget it. Whether or not you become an overcomer has nothing to do with the circumstances outside of you. It has everything to do with the commitment inside of you. Whether or not you're an overcomer has nothing to do with the circumstances outside of you. It has everything to do with the commitment inside of you. Everybody has circumstances. The key is how you respond to them. As a matter of fact, this thing called human greatness is never achieved apart from difficulty and hardship. There is an old adage in nautical circles, I am told, that says to the effect, a sailor never distinguishes himself on smooth seas. I mean, the sailor never curses the storms. He sees them as a challenge to distinguish himself. No wonder James says, count it all joy when trials come, for the trials will distinguish you. No wonder Peter says, now you rejoice greatly, even though you may be enduring fiery trials, for these trials will prove the genuineness of your faith and will reveal praise and glory to Jesus when he comes. No wonder Phillips Brooks said, ask not... Lord, we ask not that you give us task equal to our strength. We ask you give us strength equal to our task. It's not the circumstances. It's the commitment. The parable is that a man trudged his way up to the top of Mount Athor to visit a saintly old monk. Father, he asked, do you still wrestle with the devil? Oh, no, said the old monk with a twinkle in his eye. I'm too old and weak. The devil is old and has no strength. I don't wrestle with the devil. I wrestle with God. You wrestle with God, gasped the wide-eyed visitor. Do you hope to win? No, my son, he said. I hope to lose. And that's the key to victory. It's losing. It's entering into that commitment and the joy of it that says, Thy will be done. He concedes the problem and makes a commitment. Now, what's the problem? If there's an obstacle, what is it? Well, John told us the name, gave us the name of the problem. He mentioned the word three times in two verses. The problem is the world. What is the world? The world is that system that's alienated from God and powerful, cultured, and educated. It's that world system that has Satan as its master and demons and fallen angels as its servants and human beings apart from believers as its subjects 
The world is aligned against God. It's Satan and its plans. It's sin and its pleasures, pressures. It's, it's sensuality and its pleasures. It's alienated and opposed to God and everything about Him. That's a pretty good problem. And what does the world try to do? The world tries to destroy our faith. It tries to distort our desires. It tries to confuse our values. It tries to dilute our interest in His Word. It tries to draw us away from God. That's our problem, a world that tempts us to forget who we are and whose we are and to live beneath our privilege. That's a pretty good obstacle. A man walked up to the dugout of a little league baseball game, spoke to the neighbor boy, come to see play. Well, how is it going? He said, well, it's 18 to nothing, and we're behind. And the man said, well, I bet you're pretty discouraged. He said, why should we be discouraged? We haven't come to bat yet. That's the spirit of our text. It's a man who concedes that he lives in a world that's aligned against God. He's like an island in the midst of a polluted sea and its polluted waters wash against its banks every day. He knows this world, cultured and educated and powerful, opposed to God and to Him, but he's not discouraged. He sees the world, he sees the problem as a challenge to distinguish himself. He concedes the problem. An overcomer is a man who confirms the promise. Now the promise is this, you can overcome. I've got good news for you, my friend. You can overcome. You do not have to be defeated by Satan. You do not have to be disgraced by sin. You do not have to be destroyed by suffering. You do not have to be distracted by sensuality. You can overcome. And that's not empty talk. When I was a freshman in high school, I started both ways, offense and defense, for the mighty Monday moguls. Now you can imagine what kind of material we had when a 150-pound weakling starts both ways for the moguls. And our coach kept telling us how great we were. And I thought, well, if we're so great, why are we getting drilled, you know, every game, just getting tromped? I figured it out. What he was doing, he was trying to psych himself up. You know, he was talking to himself, really, trying to get himself pumped up. And one night, we were fixing to get ready. We were playing the Albany Lions, number one team in the state. Their backfield made up, was made up of the 440-yard relay team that had won the state championship the spring before. And the coach was telling us, we're gonna, if you want this game, you can get it. If you want to win, you can. That's what he was telling us in the locker room. And we looked around at each other and we listened to the lions growling over in the other locker room. And, and we knew that the chances of winning that game were slim and none. <laughs> I mean, realistically. And what he was doing was he was kind of trying to, I, I think he was trying to pump us up so that we would kind of play out the season. You know, kind of hold on, kind of hang in there and just finish out the schedule without quitting. You can overcome are not the words of a Defeated coach to a bunch of losers. They are the words of the Almighty God to the triumphant. You can overcome. For there has never been a time or an event when this God of Israel has ever been defeated, ultimately. 
And there will never be a time when this God of Israel will ever know defeat you can't overcome. Joseph was down in a dungeon and God rescued him. You ever feel entrapped? Tennyson was right. Stone walls do not a prison make, nor iron bars a cage. The Hebrews were down in slavery, but God freed them. You ever felt bound? David was devastated by the guilt of his sin, but God forgave him. You ever known that devastation, that guilt for sin? Daniel was in a lion's den, but God, but God rescued him. Jonah was in the belly of a whale, but God retrieved him. Jesus was in a tomb, but God raised him. He has never been defeated. And the God of Israel will never know an event in your life or mine where he'll ever suffer defeat. Corey Ten Boom was right when she said, there's no hand ringing in heaven. Can you picture him pacing up and down in heaven, wringing his hands saying, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? I can't. For the life of me, I can't. He was in a wheelchair. He'd been paralyzed from the waist down. Athletic, vigorous, now helpless. He said in his despair to his friend, Do I have a future? His friend said, As a pole vaulter, no. As a man, yes. An overcomer is a person who recognizes, concedes that he has a problem, and he confirms the promise of God. He shall overcome. He has a future. One last thought, please. He not only concedes the problem, he not only confirms the promise, he carries out the principle. Now, what is the principle that enables us to be triumphant? That enables us to be overcomers is our faith. Now, what is faith? Faith is the key to life, and everybody believes something. You open up a can of dog... Op almost said dog food. <laughs> you open up a can of food, and you eat it. Wait, some of you may eat dog food. I, I don't know. You open up a can of food, and you eat it because you, you know it'll be good for you. You sit down on an airplane, and you trust your whole life to that machine and the man who pilots it. Brian Harbour says that we go to a doctor whose name we can't pronounce... He gives us a prescription that we cannot read. We take that prescription to a pharmacist we do not know. And he gives us medicine we do not understand. And we take it and say, I can't have faith. That is faith. Now let me give you a definition for faith. Faith is trusting someone. I mean, a general definition of faith is trusting someone. Now, now, what John is talking about is not a general faith. He's talking about a particular kind of faith. Now, you must get this. The faith that overcomes the world is the faith that believes Jesus is the Son of God. The faith that overcomes the world, Christian faith, is faith that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. It's faith that believes Him. Watch this. It's faith that believes Him. It's faith that that talks to Him. It's faith that walks with Him. It's faith that abides in Him. The kind of faith that enables you and me to overcome is the kind of faith that abides upon Jesus. Abides upon Him and in Him. Now that kind of faith does three things for us. Are you still listening? 
It opens up to us, it brings to us, first of all, an awareness of the presence of God in our life. David Livingston went out into Africa and gave his life to take his theology to that country. Now, I know he wasn't in the purest sense of missionary as we know them. He was an explorer, but he sought to bring religion to Africa. He said on one occasion, he wrote in his diary one time, he said, I've seen smoke rise from a thousand villages that know not God. And he sought to bring the gospel, the theology that he believed, into those villages. He was so committed to that that when he died, they cut his heart out and buried it in Africa and took his body back to England. Before his death, they invite him back to England to honor him. And somebody asked him, Mr. Livingston, what is the secret of your, of your commitment? What is the secret of that sacrifice you've made out there all your life long? And he took his Bible, well-worn. In fact, when he died, his face was lying in, in, in an open Bible. He, he took this Bible, well-worn, and he pointed to a verse of Scripture that was the explanation. And it was the words of Jesus. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the ages. Faith opens up to our lives His presence. Johnny, go to the pantry and get a can of tomato soup, little Johnny's mother said. And he hesitated. And so she said it again. Oftentimes she had to repeat a few commands. Go to the pantry and get a can of tomato soup. And he explained his hesitation. He was, he was scared. It was dark in there. And she said, oh, it's all right, Johnny. Jesus is in there. So he went to the pantry door, cracked it just a little bit, and whispered, Jesus, if you're in there, would you hand me a can of tomato soup? <laughs> huh. so, sometimes, sometimes it sure is hard to see him in the dark. Isn't it? Isn't it? Shake your head down like that if you agree. Sometimes it's hard to see him in the dark. I mean, it gets so dark sometimes you can't see his face. You can't see his hand traced upon the dial. Sometimes it gets so dark he doesn't seem to be there. And faith opens up to us his presence. Lo, I'm with you to the end of the ages. And faith opens up to us and to our life his power. Not just His presence, but His power. A.J. Cronin said he went to a county fair. At a distance, he saw this man in a bright, brilliant suit pumping a, one of these hand pumps of water. But he says he got closer, he discovered, that it was a painted man attached to a pump that was, that was powered by electricity. So that it really wasn't that the man was pumping the water. The water was pumping the man. You open up this book here, you just name these saints out here that look at me every Sunday morning and you look at them and you look at these godly men from the Word and you say, look at the lives of these men. What quality, what depth God is, has blessed them. Listen, it's not their power they're operating on. It's God's. They're not living out their life. They're living out His God has indeed invaded their personality and has brought to them in that invasion a power which is from Him ample and available for every need. For He that is in you is greater than He that is in the world. And your faith opens up your life to that power. And faith reminds us of His plan makes available His presence and power, reminds us of His plan. For John says in the Revelation that there's coming a future 
where the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ. And that indeed, the Creator has infused into this cosmos, this secular order, which is temporal and, and fleeting, has brought into that a plan which is permanent and eternal. That this world will pass away and all its pleasures, but there is this marvelous plan of God which will be forever. And that God has... Did you notice the aorist tense, the past tense of the text? He's already overcome. He's already won. I got this book, uh, Paul Harvey's The Rest of the Story. You got that book. That's, I recommend that for heavy reading. I mean, that's, that's a great book. A little vignettes or stories, you know, and it always winds up with the most unique endings, this twist, you know, and they're, they're just so much fun to read. But I got to noticing as I was reading that those stories, I'd get started on it and I'd, I couldn't keep from looking at the end. <laughs> I really, truly, I'd check the end of it before I, and it got to bother me. It just bugged me. So I got me a piece of paper, and I'd put the piece of paper there, and I'd just kind of follow along so I wouldn't read the end and mess up the story, you know. Just from our vantage point in the Christian faith, we know the rest of the story, don't we? I mean, we've seen the end of the chapter. We've seen the end of the book. This victory belongs to God. And one day, every knee shall bow. And one day, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's how it's going to come out. And because I know that, I'm able to be an overcomer. Nothing can beat me. I've already won. What's your handle? What do they know you by? What do they call you? You say, who is they? I mean, that world out there. What do they call you? Do they call you an overcomer? Let's pray. God, we know that there are so many mountains to climb, so many barriers today, so many problems. Oh, they come not in single file, but in battalions. We concede that our life is not free from problems. But we confirm the promise we can overcome the problem. And I pray that you'll help us not to struggle against the winds and tides in our flesh and strength, but that we'll lose to you and find your presence and your power 
and ultimately your plan. I pray for those who are called the defeated, the discouraged, the despairing, the losers, that we'll trust Jesus today as the Son of God, because I pray in His name.